Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the CEOs, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, we unfortunately experienced some technical issues, so we're revisiting one of our more recent favorite episodes with U.S. Representative Earl Blumenauer, a House Democrat from Oregon. Congressman Blumenauer has represented Oregon for more than 20 years and has been a pivotal player in the national legalization movement since the beginning. He's also one of the founders and co-chairs of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus, a bipartisan caucus for members of the U.S. House of Representatives to discuss, learn, and work together to establish a better and more rational approach to federal cannabis policy. With 18-plus Democrats vying for the Democratic presidential nomination this primary election cycle, we wanted to revisit this conversation to see how influential leaders like Congressman Blumenauer envision the federal government moving ahead with cannabis legalization. Policy wonks, you're in for a treat. So lean in and enjoy. So Anne, it's really good to be talking to you today. Um, feels like we haven't done this in forever. 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 Um, and you, our, our loyal listeners, are getting a little extra love from us because... Um, <laughs> Lewis screwed up. I screwed up technically. <laughs> I screwed up technically last week, so we're rebroadcasting a, an episode this week. Um, but I have learned that I need to do the checklist that you put together, Anne. Um, I thought I had it down, and I forgot to hit record on Skype. So, so we're going to re-record that episode next week. And... Uh, I'm going to still ask our guests the same question that drives you nuts. I'm going to do the Marianne Ginger question. If you don't like that, can you please send hate mail to Lewis? I like it. I think Green it's a Rush good at insight at KCSA.com. Knock okay. that shit off. <laughs> you can even hashtag knock that shit off. All right. If we get if we get two people who post on Twitter, not you, Ann, or Steven, they can't do that. Mitch um, Wexler. That Mitch Wexler, off. are I, you listening? <laughs> no, 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 no. Gotta be a real listener, not somebody who's in fam. line. But if we get two hashtags of knock that shit off to the at Green Rush on Twitter, I'll knock that shit off. But until then I'm not. Um so we're recording this on March 19th, and some really interesting stuff is taking place today. Um, New Jersey is actually voting in committee on whether or not to approve adult-use cannabis. Yeah, it seems like kind of a, a bit of a shit show yesterday. Um, seems like the, the first the public could testify, then they couldn't, and then it was just a mess, but it looks like it's advanced Um and I guess it's just a reminder that democracy is messy. Um, no one seems uber happy, but um, I guess that means that the negotiations worked, maybe? It, well, Ish. yeah, I think everybody's happy that it's going to happen and that there are some really interesting components um, to the legislation that I, I find both great and disturbing. Um, on the disturbing side, the no home grow really bothers yeah. me. Um, I, you know, and I know we represent a large number of big multi-state operators. Um, and, and I, I truly believe that all of our clients are doing good things. 
but I don't get the no home grow angle. I just don't get it. I mean, you can grow, you can, you can make your own beer at home. You can make your own wine and that's not going to stop you from going and, and buying a bottle or buying a six pack. It's just, it's silly. And it, 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 it seems like. like and, too- and, and with the beer and wine analogy, you can make it at home, but you can't turn around right. and sell it. And it's the same thing with right. home grow, right? If it's for consumption and not for sale, and it's legit medicine. Why can't I grow it at home? And if it's legal for me to brew my own beer, I just don't get it. I, I don't. I I have not heard a good argument against home grow in adult use states yet. And New New York has it as well. I just don't understand yeah, it. No, I don't either. And I think that um, it just it speaks to the the big cannabis man coming in and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we, we represent do, but, big cannabis. We yeah. are we we are big cannabis. Um, but I also think that the social justice elements of the bill are pretty good. There's better social equity than in California or Nevada. You know, they really have focused on on giving access to um, people of color and and people who have been incarcerated access to participating in the industry better. I think than than many other states have uh, better. But it doesn't seem like the um, the Black Caucus is happy and. That I mean, I, I do think that that it could go a bit further, but um, you know, I, like I said, no one seems super happy with this. Um, but I think it's a start. Well, look, I live in New Jersey. I was in New, in New Jersey two days and have ago. Family there, so at the end of the day, I am happy with this. I am happy that. Um, my state will have a robust adult use market and that I can go shopping sometime somewhere soon and somewhere soon is probably late 2020, early 2021. Well, um, they said if it passes, it could it, be it could be about six months. I mean, for the existing dispensaries to to flip to convert um, over to adult use. I mean, they have to make sure that they get the permission from the state and they've got enough service or they've got enough, um, on hand to service their medical patients first, but it could be, if it happens this week, it could be much sooner than you think, but maybe, but, but I look at Massachusetts and they still don't have a fully implemented, even partially implemented adult use program. And they passed their law in 2016. So, you know, I'm hoping I don't got my fingers crossed, especially when it comes to New Jersey <laughs> politics. You know, I used to work in New Jersey politics. I've seen how the sausage is made. I don't ever, I don't work in politics anymore because I worked in New Jersey politics. Well, and what I don't under, maybe you can help explain this to me. It seems like they, they need to get it done now or else they won't bring it up until way later in the year because they don't want it to get, I guess, caught up in the, in the, budget and make it a bargaining chip and yeah. i mean that that yeah. just seems like a big hot mess so um it seems like the now is the time and if not it's just going to be hurry up and wait look governor murphy said he wanted it done in his first hundred days we're at day 500 or something um you know or less like 400 and something since he was elected so you know New Jersey is a weird state on many levels, um, but I <laughs> we say that with love. There, we do say it with love. I mean, there there is actually a magazine called Weird Jersey that that catalogs all the weird things about our state. Um, 
but it is going to be a watershed moment in the Northeast. It will, I really believe that, that once this happens, that the rest of the Northeast and, and probably as far as Ohio, um, uh, will, will very quickly go adult use. Um, New York will do it fast. Um, I think Pennsylvania will have to do it fast. Connecticut will have to do it fast. Um, you know, Maryland will probably have to quickly re- convert. I mean, it, it should really be a major domino that that takes the rest of the Northeast, the Mid-Atlantic, and you know, the near Midwest um, into being adult use, which is just—it's mind blowing. Yeah. Well, and you know, we just booked Justin Zarimba, who is the editor for NJ Cannabis Insider, which is a great publication. If you're not subscribing to it, you should immediately do so. Um, they are doing a great job. Um, that's part of NJ.com. Um, and he's going to be on to talk about it. Um, so he'll, so this will all have been voted on and, um, you know, the chips will have fallen by the time we talk to him next. So, um, that's just something that we have to look forward to. Yeah. And that that, um, episode should probably run the first week of April, you know, on April 4th. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Um, we have anything else to talk about or should we let our listeners uh, hear me get delayed? <laughs> so that's our update. Sorry about our technical issues. Um, on to our interview from last fall with Representative Earl Blumenauer where he yells at Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> which is like live hate mail, which is the best. <laughs> have fun. Enjoy. Hi, Congressman. It's Ann Donahoe. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Let's jump right in. Let's talk about the memo earlier this week. You made news uh, by issuing a really bold roadmap, very specific roadmap for Democrats to use um, for the new Congress. Um, and you even said to Bloomberg that you think that cannabis will, quote, move in the next six months. Why do you feel like now was the time to issue that memo? Well, this is the culmination uh, for me, of years of working on this issue. And I think we're watching it come to a head. The, uh, we're having four more elections this fall. In fact, I'm uh, in Missouri tomorrow uh, campaigning for their ballot measure. Uh, we have more candidates than ever before that are actually talking about this. We have had remarkable progress despite the unrelenting opposition of the Republican leadership in Congress. We now have virtually every Democrat on board, and we have several dozen Republicans. Um, The major roadblocks have been three people. I mean, it's the Republican head of the Judiciary Committee, Bob Goodlatte, the Republican Speaker, Paul Ryan, and the Republican Chair of the Rules Committee, Sessions, who've been uh, just uh, thwarting our efforts, and two of the three are not coming back. <laughs> and candidly, I think Pete Sessions is in the race of his life, in part because he's been the number one enemy of marijuana reform in Congress. Um, and it's uh, and there's a very good chance that Democrats will uh, take control. So I think it's all teed up, ready to go. We have more support from the public than ever before. Uh, We have three states that are going to, two, maybe three states that will be added to the column, and it looks like we've worked out a deal in Utah. The time is right. 
So um, this is Lewis speaking, Congressman. <clears throat> and over the last couple months, I've said repeatedly that I think that we're going to see an October surprise um, related to cannabis specifically that that because of what happened with GW Pharma and the, the FDA's approval of Epidiolex, that the, the president will do something, whether it be deschedule or reschedule or do something that he'll be able to claim that he legalized cannabis. Um, do you see something like that happening before the midterms or, or do you think I'm just kind of talking out my butt? Well, you know, I can't imagine anybody who knows what this guy's going to do. <laughs> um, I don't think he knows what I, he's going to do. Well, that's the case, but I think, um, it would, uh, uh, they have an administration, uh, that has been decidedly uh, unfriendly. Uh, they have had opportunities uh, for 20 months to make a difference, and they haven't. Um, they've allowed uh, Jeff Sessions to cast a cloud. Um, what I, I'll tell you, the October surprise is that we're going to elect uh, the most pro-cannabis Congress in history, and we're starting from a pretty good space, uh, we will have more successes at the ballot box that, uh, that follow up on success after success we've had around the country. The October surprise is that the people will speak, and we're going to be in a position to be able to act on the outline that I put out this week. Well, I like that October surprise much better than I like Lewis's idea of an me October too. surprise. Trust me, but, me too. But what, I mean, worst case scenario, and I certainly don't mean to be negative because I do really believe in this blue wave um, and that there's a lot of energy in the Democratic base. But let's say the Democrats don't win the House and there's no October surprise. Do you think that that your um, that your colleague, uh, Representative Dana Rohrabacher, is right when he says that that Trump and the Republicans will get this done in 2019? Well, I mean, the table is set, and we have seen remarkable progress. But if they continue to have leadership that is opposed to us, uh, like the effect, I mean, this was, this was teed up. There was no reason that this should have been a problem. Uh, as you know, my veterans' access legislation passed both the House and the Senate last Congress. Uh, we should have been able to move. Uh, one of the things I've worked very hard in is when I established the Cannabis Caucus was to make it bipartisan. Um, I cooperate with any uh, member of the, of the House in either party, and in fact, people in the Senate who are advancing legislation that's consistent with our principles. Um, as a practical matter, uh, the Republicans have been very, very hard to read, and their leadership has uh, been hostile. Uh, there was a chance for people to have forced this uh, earlier. Um, I, I hope that, uh, regardless of who's in charge, that we move forward with my blueprint. I just know that if Democrats are in charge, it's much more likely to happen. Has leadership, when they saw the blueprint, did they, did they say, yeah, we're in? Um, or were they, mm, they, they, you know, because all of the polling says that 
bipartisan, Republicans, Democrats, self-proclaimed conservatives or progressives, everybody supports cannabis either from a, a medicinal or an adult use perspective. But the Democratic leadership doesn't seem to have embraced it. It's not like Nancy Pelosi is out there running on this issue. Um, so when you issued the memo, what did the leadership say? Well, I mean, understand in this climate, when there are uh, hundreds of millions of dollars that are being spent to misrepresent uh, the Democratic positions and to attack candidates. I mean, look at Beto O'Rourke, uh, who has been consistent back uh, 10 years ago when he was a city council person in El Paso, uh, believing that we ought to reform marijuana legislation. And Ted Cruz and dark money are pretending like he wants to somehow legalize every single drug, get rid of all controls, be able to uh, assault our families. I mean, that's, that is what the other side would do if they were given an opening. And candidly, I understand that um, Nancy Pelosi is not saying... Uh, this is a major priority. That's all you'd hear for two weeks, uh, misrepresenting what she said and what she believes in. Go look at Nancy's record. She has supported every single one of our votes on the floor of the House. She has been clear that she thinks that reform makes sense. But uh, I think she shouldn't uh, say that this is a major priority it doesn't it's it's not my number one priority but I, it I, is uh, important to do and we can do more things uh, than one at a time so we can deal with the health care crisis deal with the immigration crisis deal with the fact that america's infrastructure is falling apart and still follow the outline that i presented there's an opportunity for each committee over the next few months of the new Congress to be able to lay the groundwork for this. Many of these things are teed up and ready to go. So uh, I think one of the first things that will happen deals with the insanity of forcing state legal marijuana businesses to be conducted on an all-cash basis. Now, I've been working in this space for years. I have traveled from uh, Anger, Maine to Santa Barbara. Uh, I've worked on the ballot measures. I've never met a single person who thinks that state legal cannabis businesses should be conducted on an all-cash basis. The notion that we have people with backpacks and shopping bags full of $20 bills scurrying around every day uh, is lunacy. It's not safe. It's not doesn't make sense from a business perspective. Um, and if you really care about law enforcement, it's an invitation to tax evasion and money laundering. Uh, we've got legislation ready to go with Ed Perlmutter and Denny Heck from Colorado and from Washington State, both on the Financial Services Committee. I think when we're in charge, that legislation moves um, in a matter of months. So this this issue has has really brought to light the concept that you know politics makes strange bedfellows, and your your 
your partnership with Congressman Rohrabacher and then the the you know the the forward looking uh, positions that Congressman Corbello or David Joyce from Ohio have taken, um, they're all relatively very conservative Republicans. Um, and other than than you and just a handful of others, it doesn't really feel like the Democrats have embraced this issue with, with open arms. I'm, I'm joking that they should be holding a plant running to the polls with it, but but they're not. And again, the polling is so, so strongly in favor, especially amongst Democrats of this issue. I just don't I, I wish I wish I could understand more why the Democrats as a party aren't embracing this because it hits on social justice. It hits on tax. It hits on, on you know, money for infrastructure, all that that stuff. Well, I just I reject the premise. There are a number of Democrats uh, who, in fact, embrace uh, full legalization. Virtually all of them support medical marijuana. Uh, look at the number of candidates running around the country. Um, uh, it's uh, it's just not true that uh, there aren't uh, a wide variety of Democrats who are there and who are supportive. And in the Senate, Cory Booker, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren, my own uh, Senator uh Actually, both my senators, Jeff Merkley and Ron Wyden, have been extraordinarily supportive. Uh, it's, it's, it is uh, uh, what we see with Kim Walsh, uh, who's running for governor of Minnesota, but having advanced uh, on the Veterans Committee, uh, moving for marijuana research. Uh, Barbara Lee. I mean, there are there are candidates and members of Congress who have been very clear and very forceful. Uh, Joaquin Jeffers, I mean, Gary Nadler. Um, I, just, I, I reject the proposition. Now, there, part of it is that there's a lot of uh, issues that people are contending with, and there is a crisis every day from uh, Donald Trump setting his hair on fire uh, and trying to put it out with a hammer. Uh, so <laughs> That's a great very, image. Well, I mean, it's... Uh, so there's, there, there is literally a crisis a day. Uh, but if you look at uh, where the candidates stand, if you look at where our members have voted and what they believe in, and the legislation that they've co-sponsored, I mean... There is a wide variety of uh, legislation. We have something like uh, over 30 pieces of legislation in the House, uh, and majority of the people who are supporting these are Democrats. Now, I, uh, I uh, in, encourage uh, the work with uh, Carlos and Dave and Dana. Um, that's, that's good. Uh, and I, I have worked with them at every turn because we're trying to get something through this uh, Republican Congress that has uh, sort of uh, shut us down. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, I've talked to, you know, I've, I've sent material and engaged over 90 uh, Democrats running for Congress. I know where they're at, and a number of them are, in fact, talking about it. They support it. They're not backing it on the campaign trail. But again, the same uh, point uh, that 
the, the climate that we have now, it's so easy to mischaracterize what people have said and what they believe. Um, and if uh, somebody claimed that this was, you know, the number one priority or, or even one of the top priorities, uh, they would have this uh, millions of dollars of dark money uh, misrepresent what they said and what they believe uh, and create problems for them. Uh, they don't need to do that. We don't need them to do that to be successful. We just need people to be clear, to support simple common sense things for the industry, uh, to make sure that they support uh, eliminating the banking problems, the way the federal government gets in the, uh, interferes with research, uh, the, the veterans access issue. Um, we, people stand behind the simple common sense steps that are in the blueprint that I outlined, and I think you will see support for moving it forward. Congressman, you're spending a lot of time um, this week uh, in Missouri on the campaign trail, and you've said that if Missouri is willing to support medical marijuana, you think the tide will change nationally and that we're in the home stretch. Um, why, why Missouri and I guess my follow-up there is, why do you think the federal government as a whole has been so far behind this particular issue? And not just in the era of Trump, but but why couldn't Obama get it done either? I guess that's a big question, but <laughs> take it piece by piece, however you like. What you have on the, fe- on the federal level, let me take these in reverse order, on the federal level is the legacy of Richard Nixon weaponizing mm. the opposition to marijuana reform. He rejected the recommendation of his own Blue Ribbon uh, Commission, um, chaired by the the governor of Pennsylvania, for heaven's sakes, who concluded, you know, uh, that the concerns about uh, cannabis are overblown, uh, that it's no more harmful than many things that are legal, in fact, less harmful than things that are legal, like cigarettes. Nixon decided for purely political reasons uh, that he was going to demonize uh, young people and people of color uh, with marijuana and his war on drugs. Um, And that's been deeply embedded, and it was continued with Reagan, uh, Republicans in Congress at every turn. uh, We've spent a trillion dollars on this. Uh, Obama... Uh, to his credit, when we had the election in uh, uh, 2012, um, he indicated he had bigger fish to fry. He wasn't going to interfere, even though it wasn't uh, legal under federal statute. Uh, Under his watch, the Cole memo was promulgated. There was Treasury guidance. It was kind of live and let live, and as long as people followed the rules, the federal government wouldn't interfere with them. Um, I had hoped that we might go further, but the fact is that the decision that Obama made and the fact that he was the first president of the United States to tell the truth. Yeah, I I smoked marijuana, and frankly, it was uh, less dangerous than stuff that was legal. Um, uh, You know, I just um, think that it's, we're, we're watching these pieces come together. They've been building. The reason I pointed out 
the significance of Missouri, you know, that's the show me state, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the yep. heartland. Uh, it's a political. It's a political battlefield. Um, and there's lots of dark money and other things flowing around. And you've got three flipping ballot measures, including one that was written by a guy who would make himself the cannabis czar, uh, which is sort of weird. Um, but if in Missouri, uh, that with all the political cross currents, um, if the show me state goes ahead, which I think it will, and approves ballot measure two, um, uh, I think it's an important signal uh, to more of middle America. Uh, We've won the coast. We've won a number of uh, more progressive states. Um, If uh, Missouri comes on board, I think other dominoes will fall. So this week, um, we are recording this on October 19th, was a huge week for cannabis. Um, and some, some would say maybe the biggest week yet in the history of the legalization uh, movement with um, Canada going federally legal on October 17th. Do you think this is going to have any impact on our policy, um, whether it be from a financial services perspective or, or anywhere at the federal level? I mean, can 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 the Trump administration look to Trudeau and say yes or no? Well, you're right. Uh, this has been a huge week. Uh, when Canada went full legal uh, on October 17th, uh, this is only the second country, um, and uh, in Canada is a sophisticated, rich, uh, forward-thinking country, uh, but it's. It's not uh, uniformly uh, uh, progressive uh, for uh, the administration, uh, the government to campaign on legalization and then to follow through on it is extraordinarily significant. And it's already having an effect in the United States. You look at what's happening with companies that have operations on both sides of the border taking advantage of Canada being able to uh, have uh, uh, listings on their stock exchange for cannabis companies. Uh, People are are, uh, uh, investing in one another. Uh, It's the Canadian border uh, goes along uh, virtually, I think all but two of these of the states uh, have medical or uh, adult use from Washington to Maine. Um, uh, it's, it's opened the eyes and the opportunity for joint investment. Uh, I think this is extraordinarily significant. So, at the same time, we're looking at interest in Mexico They're interested in legalization. Uh, the notion of a North American cannabis uh, coalition um, uh, is, um, I think, remarkable. You mentioned the border, um, and, and there is there have been now a series of Canadians who have been stopped at the border who work in the industry, um, and Americans. And we know some of our clients have actually been stopped at the border who are, are um, you know, C-suites in public American companies. What's going on there? I mean, is this Jeff Sessions? Is this Donald Trump? I mean, how, why is this happening? Well, part of the problem is this misdirected war on drugs gives 
people, uh, the American authorities at the border, the right to deny permanently entry in the United States for anyone who admits that they've used marijuana. Uh, the problems with people who are in the marijuana business. Uh, that's why I introduced what I call the Maple Act this week. Um, uh, announced it. We'll introduce it when we're back in session. Uh, that would fix this. Um, because, and, and one of the reasons we announced it this week uh, when Canada went full legal, is that there are a lot of people that do not know that they're at risk. They don't have to answer that question from the Border Patrol. Uh, but if they do answer it truthfully and admit uh, to using cannabis, they can be denied entry to the United States for life. So we need to have people be aware of this. And then we need to, uh, I think most members of Congress were unaware and I think this is one of the pieces of legislation that we'll be able to move pretty quickly to fix because it's insane. People who are involved in a legal business or people who are taking their medicine being denied entry in the United States for the rest of their life, nobody wants that. And I think this is an example of something we'll be able to change, and it's, it's why I introduced the, the Maple Act. Congressman, we have two more questions for you. Do you have uh, Do you have five more minutes for us? I'm gonna have to wrap this up because I'm running out of voice. Okay. <laughs> so, so one more quick question. We have a new segment on the show work that we call "While You Were Sleeping." Can you tell us one thing that the public or press is missing when it comes to cannabis? In other words, what's the one story that you wish you were reading in the Oregonian but you are not? Well, what I just said about the in just a really uh, remarkably foolish policy that will deny entry of people in the United States from Canada who take their medicine. I think that is outrageous. Um, I think people don't know. Uh, I think the more people understand, the easier it will be to change. And I think this is an example of the incremental progress that, that we make. And when these dominoes start falling, uh, with the passage of my maple lab, uh, the veterans access legislation, the banking, we start getting the momentum. Uh, and I think uh, these things will pass not only through the House, but through the Senate and set the stage for the ultimate um, treatment of marijuana like we treat alcohol. States will do what they want as long as they follow reasonable regulations. Uh, they're reasonably transparent, um, and I think America's ready for it. Well, Congressman, thank you so much for giving us this time. We really appreciate it. Um, and by the way, the question I asked about the thesis, um, which you completely corrected me on, was hopefully taken as a setup because um, it is great to see that the Democrats are, are embracing forward thinking and truly embracing the issue. And you have been a, a phenomenal advocate. So thank you very much. I think you're going to like the, the new uh, class of Democrats being elected. And I think they're going to help us get where we need to be. Awesome. We can't wait. Go vote. Everyone listening. Right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you. Congressman.
Thanks to Congressman Earl Blumenauer of Oregon. We will have links to everything that we talked about from his memo um, to his legislation matrix uh, to the Maple Act uh, in our show notes. Um, Make sure you go vote, go register to vote, find out where you're supposed to vote, do your research, be a good citizen. Uh, For more on the congressman in general, head over to earlblumenauer.com or check him out on Twitter at repblumenauer. Or if you want to chat with us, you can always find us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at KCSA underscore cannabis, as well as KCSA-cannabis.com. Or you can email Lewis at greenrush at KCSA.com. He loves hate mail. I got my first piece of hate mail. It was awesome. So exciting. It was so exciting. And don't forget to subscribe to The Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take Shay, one take.